Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. To understand the economy, you have to understand human nature. This podcast is powered by ACAST. How are you doing there? I haven't said this for a while. It's podcast time, the podcast that tries to make economics a little bit more comprehensible, a little bit more germane to all of our lives. So I was just saying, oh, fair, that John is perplexed. He just says, I'm always perplexed. I hope it's all the beauty is, of the world, Mark. The beauty of the world. Trying to navigate my way through the world. It's very tricky, Mark. I know, very, very I tricky. Know, I know. John is on the equivalent of an intellectual Zimmer frame. <laughs> steady on. Steady on. You are the Zimmer frame. <laughs> I am your crutch. In anyway, hope all is well in your life and uh, the world is going reasonably well as we enter February of 2023. 12-month anniversary of the war in Ukraine is coming up. Yeah. Has been a bizarre, bizarre yes. year. This time, 12 months ago, John. It's interesting to think blue skies, finance companies doing extremely well, tech companies doing extremely well, no war, Inflation low. Unicorns trotting around the place. Unicorns, yeah, you go, <laughs> or whatever unicorns do. Do they? Do you think do unicorns give horse noises or deer noises? I don't know. I'd say they sing beautiful songs. That's well, what I'd actually, say. you know, look at, you, look at that segue. We're going to talk about how unicorns turn into zombies. Mm. Now, because you said to me this morning you were interested in what you saw in the papers over the last couple of weeks, particularly the last couple of days, about jobs being axed in high tech. Exactly. And and just reading about this, because going back a few months, there were the big layoffs in the tech world and the big tech yeah. shock and jobs being lost and all the, you know, the Googles and the, the Facebooks and the blah, 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 blah. And they're all going. And that was horrible, especially coming up to Christmas. But of course, we all thought that was the end of it. But no. Yeah. Google just announced there last week Another big swathe of jobs. Intel is another whatever. I don't know. They, it, and the there, job there numbers are in the thousands. thousands. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's a very interesting thing. So today's podcast is going to be about the plight of 30-somethings. Mm. That yeah. what tends to happen, and people rarely appreciate this, is the year you were born has profound implications for the way in which your life materializes, simply because the economy moves in these big, big shifts. And if you're born at a certain time when the economy is shifting, mm. some things go well for you, but other things don't. And those that don't manifest themselves in later years. So it's not your childhood or your teenage years. It could be into your 30s when things are not going well. So mm. we're going to look at the tech crunch, as they call it, 
in the context of being 30-something. And the reason is that the vast majority of workers in those places are in their 30s. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and true. Yeah. what we're having is, as I've said before, it's never been more expensive to be 30. And we're going to look at that. Yeah. But come back to the tech crunch. We're also going to look at the fact that the tech crunch is a function of interest rates. It's not a function of a change in the ability of the technology to deliver something in the future, right? So basically what we have, and this is this is how unicorns become zombies, right? Right. So there is a notion which is called a zombie company. And those zombie companies were typically companies that were kept breathing and kept alive by soft state subsidies. This is the idea that what you find is many, many free marketeers would accuse companies of being zombies. So, for example, the banks in Ireland were kept open after the crash right. okay. yeah, yeah. by the state bailing them out. Yeah. So they became zombie banks. And the reason they became zombie banks, they were just banks in all but name, yeah. in the sense that what they were actually was a safe deposit box but they weren't doing the job of banking. Yeah. They weren't lending out, et cetera, because the people were traumatized, the balance sheet was broken, so they were just being kept alive. Yeah. So there's a sort of a shorthand in economics about zombie banks. Typically, what it is used is to accuse companies that are actually old-fashioned and still clinging on to relevance. Mm. And those companies, because usually they employ a lot of people, are kept going by state subsidies. That's the shorthand. Yeah. Those banks aren't zombies anymore. No, but they were zombies for a while, yeah. right? And, they've, and especially when they've just lifted the cap on those bonuses. Yeah. But anyway, we won't but, go but there. Let, let, yeah, it's yeah, a personal let, gripe of mine. It is a personal gripe. But, but you know, for example, many, many companies, for example, in old energy sectors like coal, places like Borden and Mona, all yes. those sort of yeah, yeah. big Irish state or worldwide state companies, which weren't making profits, but were kept going because they had a social value right? They were part of the public sector, etc. And then there's quasi-public sector. And you see that all over the world, right? Mm. The Canadians in Quebec have a huge problem with these type of companies, the Americans as well. So the idea was that the tech guys, the people who said, you know, the tech bros, yep. you know, move fast and break things. <laughs> they'd always point their finger at these old zombie companies and say, break them up, deregulate them and sell them off because they're only being kept alive by cheap loans from the state. Yeah. Ironically, now, all those tech bros didn't understand that their unicorns, or many of their unicorns, were sustained by cheap loans from the state as well in the guise of zero interest rates. Right, right? yes. So okay, what you gotcha. had was the zombies of this decade will not be the old state transport company or the old state energy company or what have you. Mm. It's all these shitty companies in Silicon Valley that were termed unicorns because interest rates were zero. But when interest rates change and move up three, four, five percent, those unicorns are exposed as zombies because they've no business model. Now, yeah. what happens is this is all to do with economists, there's an awful word in economics called malinvestment, Ooh, right? Yes. Okay. Mal is not Malcolm, but as bad, <laughs> right? So I come back to our friend Schumpeter. Oh, yes. Back to Schumpeter. So Schumpeter, as we said many years ago in the podcast, Joseph Schumpeter's economics probably sums up most accurately the way the world actually works, mm. as opposed to the way we'd like it to work. And how the world actually works is that innovation drives companies, 
innovation sorts out the good from the bad. Creative destruction is about companies going bad. They're just simply not good enough. People tinker around. They come up with better designs and away we go. Right? Mm. So the best design yeah. wins all yeah. the time, right? And that's the Schumpeterian idea. And of course, then the free market. That's survival tiers, of the fittest as well. The survival of the fittest are the most, yeah. I always say it's not, it's the most adaptive. Adam, adaptive, adaptive yeah. right? Yeah. Because what you find in, in evolution is the fittest, you know, sometimes doesn't survive. Mm. It's actually the most tricky little thing, you know, survives. Like, why did the worm survive? The worm is millions and millions of years old. Yeah. It's clearly not the fittest, but it's the fittest at what it does. Yes. Right? Yeah, and yeah, then, yeah. So it's a little niche. So the, the economy is quite, quite similar. So the comeback, the idea that the tech bros used to talk about was that the Schumpterian day of reckoning is always going to be for these old companies. What you actually find now is the Schumpterian day of reckoning is for the tech companies. And why is this? It's because the rate of interest is a very fascinating, I know you find it, you're glazing over already, no, but it's I'm a not, fascinating not, idea, right? No, it's, it's maybe the most important price in the economy. But I've, I, this is what I've come to realise and come to learn over the last while, is how crucial the interest rate is and the power that central banks actually wield. Yes, and if they read with this single tool, with this that single tool, exactly the single tool. Uh, by the way, if you're into reading this week, a book on the rate of interest is a book by Edward Chancellor. Great book called "The Price of Time: History of the Rate of Interest." I know it doesn't sound fascinating, but believe me, it will be worth. It's a, a page turner. It's a page turner, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Who done it, right? Okay, so it's a great book. Anyway, so but one of these particular issues is the following. The rate of interest sorts out the men from the boys, right? Because the rate of interest puts a price on investment. And once you put a price on investment, you can calculate what's called the net present value of any investment, which means right. how much money you're actually making for your investment. If the rate of interest is zero, it means that lots and lots of stupid things are financed, right? Yeah. And Schumpeter would say, if you bring the rate of interest to zero, you destroy what would they call the signal mechanism in interest rates, the interest rate telling you what's good and what's bad. Okay. If you bring it to zero, there's no way of calculating if the company's good yeah. or bad. So what happens then... And money's cheap and money's free cheap. And, and they throw it at they everything. They throw it at it. So, so, yeah. so basically yeah. the companies are growing not because of market share, but they're growing simply because they have no budget constraint, mm. right? So they just keep borrowing and borrowing and borrowing, are issuing stock, are persuading... What the tech companies tend to do the following, if they're not listed, what they will do is they will have IPOs, not even IPOs, but they'll have rights issues. So they'll mm. go to their original investor and say, we need to raise more money. Yeah. And typically what happens is... We need to raise more money, but the price per share rises. So the value of these companies goes through the roof. A good one would be Stripe was valued at 90 billion at a certain stage. Yeah, yeah. And now it could Jesus, be 20 yeah. billion. Who knows, right? Yeah. Who knows, right? But to come and, back and, to your and, point. And sorry, and th those figures are just on paper. There's nothing really behind it. But this is the fascinating thing about wealth, John. Wealth is on paper. You see, I'm always intrigued at why, yeah, true. Yeah, why yeah. money disappears. I'm fascinated by this, right? That, Where's the Elon's money? Yeah, exactly. So you think about Elon Musk. So somebody said to me the other day that Elon Musk lost half a trillion dollars. Half yeah. trillion, right? That's like twice our GDP almost, okay? In a year. Where are Elon? That's not funny. But it is kind of funny because where does the money go? It was never there in the first place. It was yeah. just notional wealth on paper, a function of the share price of Tesla 
at a certain point in time of which he owned 5% or 10% of the whole company. But to come back to the tech idea, so the tech companies now are shedding jobs because as interest rates go positive, something happens to people's time horizons. This is important. When interest rates are zero, your time horizon in terms of your return investment is infinite. Mm. And the reason it's infinite is it's not costing you any money to actually invest. Sure, yeah. yeah. As interest rates rise, what tends typically to happen is people say, okay, you told me that the company was going to deliver profits in 10 years' time, and I was grand with that last week when interest rates were zero. But now interest rates are 5%. Are you going to make profit next year? Because I quite like my money back. Yeah. Because it's now costing me, right? The opportunity cost of money has gone up through the roof. And then what happens is it causes all these tech companies to reassess their rather Panglossian worldview of what the world's <laughs> going to be like in 15 years' time. Yeah. So people say, look, I know you're going to change the world, but I wouldn't mind a return on my investment. In fact, first of all, I wouldn't mind a return of my investment first. Can I have yes. my money back? Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and if I can't have my money back, can I have a piece of it back, right? So the term, return of of and on investment. So they say, okay. And suddenly then those companies have to generate profits today. And what typically happens when the rate of interest is zero is your cost structure gets out mm. of control. So they buy new offices. They expand their workforces. Yeah. You know, they give them more muesli every morning, whatever the fuck they give them in those places, right? <laughs> Don't they, they give them yes, massages, yeah, they yeah. hand job and muesli in the morning, <laughs> right? Or whatever you get in those places. Anyway, I come back, John. So what happens is when interest rates go up, there's a new sheriff in town. That sheriff needs to cut costs is to see where the return on investment is, okay? And if it's not there, what they do is they cut costs. Now, what typically happens then, their share prices begin to fall and fall, 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 fall. And as the share price falls, they use share prices as currency. So the share prices is their wealth, right? As that falls, the cuts get deeper. And that's exactly what we're seeing. But to come back to our point, is those people who are losing their jobs tend to be in their 30s at a time just when their career should be taking off. And this is the story we'd like to tell this week, which is save a prayer for the millennials because their world is trickier than we think. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. 
Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. So, Mac, we're talking about millennials and the the plight of the millennials at the moment. So yeah. if we just, if just look back. So the actual millennial tang is people who came of age at the millennium. So people who were 18 yeah. in 2000. So people born in 1982. Yeah. What we're going to look at is later millennials, late stage millennials, okay? Right. <laughs> which are people who were born around 1990, right? Right. Which I would describe as the Italia 90 generation, right? Right. Because as, as I've said to you before, my world operates in football cycles. Yes. It's really yeah. particularly sad. It's kind of pathetic. But <laughs> it I, is. But... but I remember, I remember like the whole world, through World Cups and European Championships well, and we, great goals and great games. We could look at it through the lens of music as well. So okay. for instance, so, for instance, so, so, so 1988, when, who put the ball in the English net? Houghton, Houghton, right? <laughs> okay, we can sing I'm not talking about chants either. So the, the great chant is who put the ball in the English net? Either Kevin Sheedy or Ray Houghton. Let's take Ray Houghton. Yeah. Neckar Stadium, Stuttgart, June 1998. We are there. That's where we are. You, he still has that poster on his wall. Oh, do you know what? Do you know what? Do you know what my kids got me for Christmas? What? You will love this. A replica vintage Republic of Ireland shirt. Oh, nice. With the opal. With the opal. Yeah. It's nice. pure opal. And Chan just says you look like a state. So with the big belly. I was, going to, with the big, I was actually going to go to our Christmas dinner up north with it on. <laughs> My Republic of Ireland jersey sitting at the top of the table. Would have gone down with, the trees. with all the unionists. <laughs> but I didn't. I, I wore me Harrington. <laughs> Okay, talk to me. Talk but, to me. Okay, well, say say if you're in around '88. So '88 yeah. was a, actually a bad year for music. I have to say, you know, you were dealing with people like Bross and Yaz. The only way is up. The only way is up. But '88, actually, now that I think, Stone Roses, Happy Mondays, '88. They're they're coming a little they're bit coming, later. Are they coming a bit later? Yeah, are they coming a bit later? And then you move into you know when you're talking about USA '94, that was kind of grunge. Grunge oh, coming yeah, in there. Oh, yeah, it was Seattle stuff and all yeah. that carry on. Right. And, yeah, and Green so, Day and all that so stuff. So let's take that period, right? Yeah. Also, 1988 was the year, that's when I moved to London, looking for fame and fortune. Yeah, no, Never no. Never quite happened. No, no, I moved away. Wherever you went, I went the opposite way. <laughs> I didn't go to London until 94. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, of course, you were yeah. running the central bank. I was then. running the country at the time. <laughs> exactly. Small job. But let's, let's, let's come back to the idea, right? And it is the fact that the years you were born have a profound effect on your life mm. because the society moves in cycles. So we started with 1988 and we ended 1994. So if you take those five years, um, we're talking about Ireland, but this goes for all of the Western world. Yeah, 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 absolutely. The kids born in that, there was 371,000 Irish babies born in that period. And those children are now in their early 30s. Mm. Now, what happened to them was they were born in, a, you can actually see that period, almost like a bridge period in Ireland, from the darkness of the 80s to the reasonably enlightenment of the 90s. So the 80s was all bad. Yeah. The 90s is in Ireland, the Good Friday Agreement, the economy starts to take off, yeah. peace in the country for the first time. So it's a it's a good period, right? Yeah. So yeah. it's a bridge period. So it's the babies who are born just at that, uh, on that, what you would call, bridge half decade between the darkness 
into the light. Okay. <laughs> this is the Renaissance very light. Spiritualist. Exactly. Very spiritual. But they then left school during 2008, 2009, the big crisis, right? Yeah. So they get, they're born into a society that's going well. Okay, the same with the UK, you have the sort of the Britpop years, mm. the Blair years, all that sort of stuff. But Britain is actually changing itself. Yeah. Same in the United States, these are kids born in the early Clinton years and they're living through the Clinton, they're born, they're kids in yeah. the Clinton so years. So they're quite privileged. They're then. quite privileged, the yeah. society's Spoils, going well, etc. But they come of age just when the economy collapses, yeah. right? So number one, they leave school and they're going into a jobs market, which is very, very tricky. Yeah. Or they go to college right? And they leave college just as austerity bites. So the period 2008, oh, geez, yeah. 2012, the world is thinking, how, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? How are we going to figure this out? It's all, all hands in the pump. There's no real policy. Mm. In 2012 to 2016 is austerity all over the world, yeah. right? So those kids, they might even get into college, but they leave college during austerity, right? So they're spending their 20s trying to launch, which is extremely difficult because of a combination of austerity and the hangover from the financial crisis, mm. right? Mm. So their parents are getting rich at this stage because their parents are sitting on houses, right? And house prices continue to rise as interest rates fall. Remember, we were going back to the zero yeah, interest rates. Yeah, yeah. Asset prices rise. Then those kids who are now in their late 20s, just when their career should be going, they get hit by the pandemic. So just think about what yeah, they've had to deal with. Another. Yeah, and so the pandemic knocks them back another two years, right? And two years at our age is nothing, but two years when you're young is a big deal, mm. right? And then they come out after the pandemic and they're locked out of the housing market. Yeah. And they have jobs and things with the tech companies, which seem to be going well, mm. but are much more fragile. So the, if you I, look at their, their lives, very interesting data in the United States. The, the Americans do think of longitudinal studies, so they take data for maybe 40 or 50 years. Yeah. What they found, or maybe longer than that, is that your wages and your opportunities in your 20s are absolutely consequential to the rest of your lives. So if you fall behind in your 20s, your wages are permanently lower. They never recover. Why, why is that? It's because your expectations of who you are have changed, right? So for example, if you go into, it's a lot to do with expectations, of your own expectations. Mm. If you get a good job in your 20s, which is well paid, yeah. you begin to benchmark yourself at that salary. Right? Right. And other people benchmark you at that salary too. Yeah. So in the words of Yaz, the only way is up. The only way is up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you stop there. Whereas if you start benchmarking yourself on the minimum wage, right, or something just above it, your sense of yourself completely changes and you figure out, I am that type of person. Yeah. So both from the push and pull factor, the push being the push that you have yourself, but the pull factor is what people expect you to take changes completely. Yeah. So what the Americans show is that if you fall behind in your 20s, it's unbelievably consequential for the rest of your life. Now, which is really unpleasant news, yeah. right? What we're finding is the generation, the millennial, we call them millennials, I call them the Italian 90s, right? right. The Italian 90s, they have had a very tricky time, right? And at every time they're knocked down, when they get up off the canvas, wages are a little bit lower relative to our generation, yeah, 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 yeah. okay? Houses are a little bit more expensive relative to our generation. So what you find, and the data is is really interesting here. In so, the, can, can I just say, just yeah. before you get into that, is that, and I'm not being smart here when I say this, but no wonder there's a mental health crisis amongst that age group. That's exactly the case, right? So for example, I've heard, you know, lots of 
people I know, a bit older than us, who have kids, you know, at that late 20s, yeah. early 30s. So, you know, you'd go to the pub and you'd say, oh, you know, they're, they're kind of flakes, and they're snowflakes, and they're this. And part of me thinks, hold on a second, they have a reason to be anxious. Mm. And that reason is the following, that all societies have this embedded promise or deal between the society and the people, which is that you will be richer than your mum and dad, yeah. right? That there will be a sense of progress and a sense of momentum on the upside, right? That's the social contract. Mm. So everybody gets on the conveyor belt and says, well, you know, if I get a good job or I go to college or I do the right thing, the conveyor belt will go along and I will gradually be wealthier than my parents, which is the objective, and they're wealthier than their parents. Now, if you think about Ireland, if you think about our grandparents, okay, and our great-grandparents, mm. they were like, we're talking, you know, four generations ago, five generations ago, there was a famine here. So you can't be any poor starving to death as a general <laughs> yeah, rule, right? Yeah, 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 so just yeah. think about how we've propelled forward. Every generation has got richer in Ireland, okay? Mm. Except for these guys. Now it's stopped. And this generation is going backward. And they're also the most educated generation, which is, if you look at Canada, if you look at America, if you look at Britain, if you look at Australia, yeah. all the English-speaking liberal democracies are suffering from exactly the same thing, which is the conveyor belt has stopped for the generation born, let's say, to be broader in the 80s and 90s. And they are now, in Ireland, there's nearly 400,000 of them, but we're talking tens of millions of people around the world. And the tens of millions. And the te tech industry was the kind of ticket out of this. was, was Or was not ticket out of it, was to keep the momentum going. It was the accelerator. Yeah. It was like, if you got a job in tech, yeah. you were suddenly propelled forward. Yeah. So you had that moment, that has now stopped. Yeah. So that's what's going on. And if you look at, there's a very interesting piece, this data is from Ireland, but if you're listen, listening to the UK, you'll have probably exactly the same thing which is that people who were born in the 1980s, by the time they were 22, their average wage was the same as people who were born in the 1960s at 22. Wow. That should not be the case. Wow. Right? Yeah, okay. So their wages are stagnating. And then you stop that and you look at the two biggest indicators now for this Italian 90 generation, housing and childcare. These yeah. are the two biggest costs. If you look at what has happened to this generation, as they have struggled in the job market, in the income market, something else has been happening in the asset market, the wealth market, which is house prices have continued to rise and rise and rise. Mm. So as they're struggling, their parents, by just doing nothing, by sitting and watching the telly, in effect, are getting richer. Yeah. Because the asset upon which they are sitting is getting richer. So what happens is the younger kids, the millennial kids who are locked out of the labor market are living in the box room of their parents' house. Some of them, not all of them, but some mm. of them. This mm. is the extreme, yeah, yeah. right? At a time when their parents have never been richer. And they're looking and they're saying to themselves, how the fuck am I going to get on this ladder? Where's my life going? Yeah. How am I going to get there? that mum and dad are on, they didn't seem to work particularly hard, they just had normal jobs. And now they're sitting looking at a retirement, which is very, very well paid, right? Very, very well yeah. paid, particularly in Ireland because we have five workers to every one dependent now. So pensions are much greater than anything else and the house prices are much richer, which is the, this idea is if you go on Ryanair websites, apparently the vast majority of people on Ryanair websites have got grey hair. 
They're going on weekend ways. <laughs> it's true. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you, go on a, if you go on a cheap flight out of Dublin now, vast majority of people, not the vast majority, a significant majority and a much greater proportion than they are in the society because they're yeah. a minority in the society are going away on their well, holiers. Can, can I just, just on that old age thing, because this is something that I'm now experiencing uh, not my own old age. John's old age. <laughs> uh, did I tell you about his knee? Uh, John is... <laughs> Leave the knee out of we, it. We have this extraordinary... I know that John is in the house when I hear his knee, not his voice, his <laughs> knee, as he goes up the stairs. <laughs> it's a little bit like that, all right. Like this. <laughs> Actually, I'm going back next week for another injection. But anyway, <sighs> enough about the knee. But my mum, for instance, you know Carmel. Yeah. She's 90. And, you know, and she's getting old, she's getting frail and all the rest. So not only, just taking the millennials into account here, not only were the millennials locked out of the market and all the rest, there is this old age thing and looking after your elderly parents coming down the track. And that's another big deal. Yeah, it's a huge and, deal. And, you know, I'm as I was saying, I'm kind of in the middle of now and we're kind of looking at nursing homes and all that kind of stuff. But looking at the cost of childcare. Yeah, which we're, we're going to come on to in a second. Yeah. And not only that, because that, that's significant, but also the cost of elderly care is equally huge, exorbitant. Yeah. I was looking at, at you know price of nursing homes and they're anything in the region of €1,500 Euro per week plus. Per week? Per week. So you're looking at, what's that, 70 to 80 grand a year. More. Yeah, 70, 80 grand, plus all the other costs. Plus all the other costs. Well, you see, but, but, but here's the thing as well. I know there's the kind of fair deal scheme that the government, but as you were saying, just saying there, this older generation are the ones who got wealthy. Yeah. So they don't meet the threshold to, or a lot of them don't meet the threshold to pay that fair deal scheme and get supplemented in an, nursing homes. There's an amazing statistic out of the UK on this issue which is that one out of five UK pensioners live yeah. in poverty, right? These right. are the yeah. UK. But one out of four live in households with assets over a million pounds. Yeah. So that's what you're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Well, interesting. Again, we come back. So what you're finding is two things are going on, right? One is that parents and the elderly are living longer. Yes. Much, much longer. Yeah. The other is that the millennials, our Italian 90 kids, are not launching. Save a thought for the people who are older than us who have kids in their late 20s and parents in their late 80s and they're yeah. looking after both. Yes, yeah, They're yeah. looking after both, right? This is a whole thing. But let's come back to the millennials, right? Let's yeah. come back to the millennials, right? If you look at the most significant vector inequality is housing. So, for example, in Ireland, same figures in the States if you can get them. The first quarter of last year, housing wealth increased by 93 billion euros. Right. The vast majority of that accrued to people above their age of 50, right? So every time house prices go up, the old get rich yeah. and the poor get poorer. And they get absolutely poor, not relatively poor, absolutely poor. I'll give you another statistic. For those citizens born in the late 1980s, early 1990s, who are 30 now, yeah. they are spending 30% of their disposable income on housing. People who were born in the 70s pay 12% at the age of 30 of their disposable income on okay. housing. 
And people who were born in the 60s paid 10% of disposable income at 30 on housing. So what you can see is if you are 30 now, mm. right, the amount of money that you are spending every week on just putting a roof over your head is three times more than people who are born two decades prior to you yeah. at the same age. So, And I'd say there's a lot of people who spend an awful lot more than no, yeah, So that's the average, yeah. right? Yeah. So if you think about the average house price in Ireland is 300 grand, the, not the average, the median, so yeah. right in the middle, right? And the salary of people in their late 20s, early, early 30s, right, which is, hasn't peaked yet, is about 35 grand, right? So there's no way in the world they can afford no, to live no. in. So every single time house prices rise, they get poorer, yeah. right? That's the first thing. So houses are driving a massive wedge between the generations. Now, in 2008, bizarrely, I wrote a book called The Generation Game. I think you probably remember it. And it was about this Never issue. read it. I know, you wouldn't have read it. Here's so you can shorthand now. I wrote a whole book. I could have said it in five minutes. Exactly. I know I did read it. I did. I did. Right. It doesn't matter. Not many people read it. It was a niche product. It was a niche it's product. It's a great doorstop. Yeah. But I mean, what it was all about was in 2008, it seemed to me that this was going to happen in the housing market. This, this yeah. cleavage, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, probably, uh, you know, had I wrote that book in 2018, it probably would have done better because it was a bit too, it was a bit ahead of its time. And so mm. it's, in, in this business, you can't be too far ahead of your time because then you're, then you're totally That's you spoofing. all over though, Mac. You're, yeah, exactly. It's too far ahead of its time. And you can't be behind your time because then you get, and the chances of you getting right on the nose are very, yeah. very slim. Yeah, yeah. But that generation game was exactly, well, it was in the title. The title was, things about the clash of generations. Yeah. This has got much worse than I even expected it as things got oh, older. God. Right. So if you think about, right, they're locked out of the housing market. And then you think about what happens when you're 30, 31, 32, is you want to have kids, right? Yeah. You want to settle down. Yeah. You want to have kids. If that's your back, right? Now, look at the cost of childcare. Childcare in Ireland is off the scales. In the US and the UK, Australia, Canada, it's all over the place. And the reason I pick those countries is continental Europe has fixed childcare. They have state-provided childcare. Mm. But us liberal democracies that speak English have gone down a different route. Now, I'll just give you the average childcare in Dublin is 12, think about this, right? It's 12,700 per child per year. And that's net. Well, that's the cost to you. Now, you've got to take your own tax away from that before you That's pay what it. I mean, yeah. yeah. So it's an extraordinary thing. So if you're on average salary of, let's say, 45 grand in your mid-30s, mm. right, you're doing quite well. There's two of you. You earn 90 grand in Ireland. You probably pay about 19 grand in tax because the Irish tax system is very progressive, yeah. right? So let's say you've got about 70 left. Imagine you have two kids, right? If two kids, you're paying about 25% of your take-home wage on childcare. Yeah, it's incredible. Put yeah. the cost of housing on top of that, and you can see how disposable incomes can completely squeeze yeah. for these, this, this generation. So when we look at it, what you see is that lots and lots of our generation, but particularly the older generation, have this view of, oh my God, they're all woke, these kids, and they're only interested in, you know, transgender this. On the contrary, what they're actually, the reason they are upset with the world, the reason they are volatile, the reason they want to vote in different types of people, mm. nothing to do with being woke. It's all to do with the fact 
that they've been shut out of the game. They've been actually shut yeah. out of the game. So the rhetorical question is, why should they be loyal to a system that is so disloyal to them? And this is something that I, I think, you know, if you look at politics over the next couple of years, right, and people try to explain, well, you know, how do you explain populism? How do you explain radicalism? How do you explain the fact that the centre isn't holding, to go back to our great friend Yates? Yes, indeed. Okay? How do you explain that idea? You explain it by looking at the numbers. And what you see in this country, there's 372,000 people, right, in that bracket. That's five years born between the time Ray Houghton put the goal in the English net and the time Ray Houghton put the goal in the Italian net. So it's a lovely arc, okay? It's a beautiful arc. I told you, it all comes back to the Republic of Ireland soccer team, okay? Right? Those 371,000-odd people constitute 17% of the Irish electorate. So if they were all to vote, they would be 17%. 17% of the electorate in a PR system owns the election. Mm. That's the swing vote. That If you get them, you win, hands down. Yeah. Right? If you're a party of the centre, if you're a party in the UK, if you're in Ireland, if you're in the United States, if you're in any of these countries, right? Those kids are looking at, not that those, those citizens are looking at similar citizens in Germany, Norway, Denmark. There is no childcare problem in the Scandinavian countries because it is paid for by the state. So it's a policy choice. There's nothing natural about having to pay 25% of your wage in childcare. But the That's question is always, how do they afford it? You but know? they afford it in the same way as, how did we afford free secondary education in the 1960s? We mm. just did it. You just do it, right? So at the moment, if you are a millennial, and you have a kid, one-year-old, two, three, to four, right? Mm. So you go to school at five, mm. right? By the time the child goes to school, your childcare bill collapses because the state provides schooling and, in effect, care, yeah. right? So you just bring it back for four years and you calculate how much it's going to cost us. And then you go back to our tech guys. Remember the windfall profit? Yes. All the techs, yeah. the 23 yeah, yeah. billion? Yeah. Use that ring fence that and say we're going to provide universal childcare from three months, five months, yeah. whatever you, you know, after maternity leave. Do what the Scandinavians do. It's a policy choice. Think about when it comes to housing. Austrians are not having this discussion about housing because they provide cooperative housing. Mm. So there is no house price inflation in Austria. Right. So gotcha. all this is policy. Yeah. This is not natural. No, yeah. there's, there's no divine code that says you must pay when you're 32. Yeah. But I come back to the point. We leave it at this political point, John. All these are policy choices. If you are a political party, if you are a political body, if you are a society, and you forget about that chunk of the electorate, you assume that because they're well-educated, because they're well-traveled, because they are better, more worldly, more cosmopolitan than their mums and dads, that mm. they will gradually go towards the centre and they will be the stability. That's not going to happen unless politics looks after the concerns of this generation, this crucial, pivotal generation. They will become radicalised. Why? They already have. Because there's nothing to be loyal to. 
because every single turn, every single time you go, you yeah. see yeah. your chances are blocked. So if the centre wants to hold, it needs to embrace this generation. And thus far, it has left them in the lurch. How are you doing there? Just a quick shout out for our Patreon supporters who keep supporting us. And John, keep the lights on, I suspect. Absolutely. And in a couple of weeks' time, I'm going to be putting together a new course at Trinity. And I will be sharing that course with you on Patreon over the next month or two. So watch out. Follow us, patreon.com forward slash David McWilliams. Listener.